All right, let's take our Bibles again. Proverbs 3, Proverbs chapter number 3 tonight. And we're going to be looking at verses uh, 19 through 24. I think it was different on the board there, but we're looking at verses 19 through 24 of Proverbs chapter number 3. And I think everybody received a handout. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. A part of the first part of this, verses 19 and 20, will be a bit of a review. We, uh, we didn't get to this particular two verses last week. We'll include them uh, tonight, and it will, uh, they'll merge right into the rest of the verses we're looking at, looking at this evening. Proverbs 3, verse number 19. The Bible says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. Look back at verse 22, and that expression we'll take for our subject tonight. It simply says, So shall they be life unto thy soul. So shall they be life unto thy soul. When we look at that expression and we think about it, and again, you've got uh, this introduction there in your handout. When we think about that expression, it is both powerful and instructive. When we see that phrase, we know that it's powerful. Why? Because we're reading the the words of God. We're reading what God has said. But it's also instructive because God has not just given it to people in general. He has said, these are words of instruction and words of comfort to my people. Now, one of the things I am constantly amazed about I am constantly amazed that no matter uh, what time of day I happen to be in the Word of God, I am always comforted by something. Uh, It doesn't matter uh, if it's morning, if it's in the evening, if it's late at night. If I'm in the Word of God, there's always something to comfort me. Now, when we think about the the comfort of God, uh, it is often that, that... aspect of God that sometimes I don't think we focus enough on the realities that, yes, the Bible's filled with commandments. Yes, the Bible is filled with uh, thou shalt nots. Uh, the Bible is filled with do not do this, but do this, put on and put off. And all those things have incredible value to us, and they are incredibly important for our walk as a believer. But sometimes we don't take time enough to look at passages that really, from the very beginning to the very end, are words of comfort. That's how I would describe verses 19 through 24. They are instructive words of comfort. What Solomon is saying here are things that you and I tonight ought to be able to leave here in just a little while and say, you know, God has been so good to me. And God is so good to us that he gives us his words to comfort us. They're powerful because the the creator of the world is telling me that I can take comfort in him. Uh, There's no greater words of comfort than that. Uh, We as parents try to comfort our children. We as spouses try to comfort our spouses. 
And there are times when a, when a pastor tries to comfort someone who's going through the loss of a loved one or going through another difficult trial in their life, but there is nobody who gives words that are more comforting than the words that God gives. And he makes some promises here. And all of these promises are based upon the reality of wisdom. See, without wisdom, there is no comfort. Without the wisdom of God, there is no life unto the soul. And that's literally what this is talking tonight about. Wisdom is life. Life unto what? Unto the soul. Or, as the Bible says, unto thy soul. So as we think about this, why can we take such great comfort in wisdom? I've given you three general thoughts, and then I'll give you a lot to fill in underneath each of those headings if you choose to do that. But it's important, and I, it's, it's interesting that we got cut off last week, and verses 19 and 20 didn't get included in last week's uh, message because they really should have been included in this one anyway. So I'm glad that we ran out of time. But notice with me these three headings. Number one, that the foundation of wisdom is creation. And this, is a, this is a fascinating look at this and how God connects what happened in creation with ultimately his wisdom. Number two, the instructions of wisdom are protecting. These words, the instructions that God gives us are not for our, our hindrance, they're for our own protection. And then thirdly, the promises of wisdom are everlasting. These are not temporal promises. I'm glad tonight to know that the promises of God are not just intended to keep me through this life. They are promises that will keep me through all of eternity. They're eternal promises. So let's deal with verses 19 and 20, and let's look at this foundation of wisdom in creation. What does he mean by this? Look what he says. He says, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. His wisdom is the, 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 the part of the creative act of the earth being formed out of nothing. Now, we all know the creation account. We all know the story in Genesis, and we all know how the Bible, somebody might say, well, how did the world begin? And our, 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 our response would be, well, the Lord spoke it into existence. He, he spoke something out of nothing. But how many times have you stopped to consider that the Bible says that God created it, yes, by speaking it, but the Bible tells us here that it was by his wisdom that he created it all. He founded the earth by his wisdom. Now, that's really a powerful thought because when we connect it with the phrase wisdom unto the soul or wisdom is life, literally life unto the soul, God's wisdom gave life to something that did not exist. It really is remarkable that we think about wisdom as life unto the soul because the Lord used wisdom in his acts of creation. Wisdom is life unto the soul because the Lord used wisdom in his acts of creation. How did he use wisdom? He used wisdom when he created the earth and the heavens. He used wisdom when he produced what we look out today and we say, oh, what a beautiful creation. But have you ever stopped to think about this? Do you realize how much has to remain in harmony for the earth to remain? His wisdom has created beauty and harmony. Harmony that holds the beauty of his creation together. 
Literally, it's God's wisdom of harmony that holds your bodies together. Our physical bodies are held together by the wisdom of God. His wisdom is life-giving. So when we, when we think about creation, oh, we can think about the creation, the Genesis account versus science. And that argument is going to, uh, that is going to drag on until the Lord comes again. There will always be those who say uh, it's an act of science, it's an act of this. But we know, now we know even further that not only was it that God spoke it into existence, it was by God's wisdom that it exists. Well, now we're not just talking about some kind of an intelligent designer, right? <laughs> we're talking about a God of wisdom, perfect wisdom. Creation was by the divine attributes of God, and one of those divine attributes is wisdom. God founded the earth and the heavens by wisdom, is what the Bible tells us. So we see that wisdom is life under the soul because the Lord used wisdom in his acts of creation. Number two, we see wisdom is life under the soul because this wisdom he speaks of is life-giving. Now, let's think about this for a moment. If the Lord created the earth by wisdom, that means what? That means wisdom existed before creation. God has always been. Before there was an earth, there was God's wisdom. Before there was you and I, there was wisdom. Before there was a universe, there was wisdom. He was before all creatures, and so was the wisdom of God, His attributes were in existence before any creation was ever even witnessed. All things in the world and even in the world that we can see was created by the wisdom of God. Now, if you consider the universe, and again, I don't want to get too scientific and too deep into this, but if you consider the universe, it, we, are, we are just as an earth, we are just a small Speck. We, we don't even have the ability in, in our humanness to see all of what God's created. When he refers to the heavens, we don't have the ability to see that. And if we can't see all that he's created, and again, we don't need to see it all to see the glory of it. Folks, it ought to comfort you tonight. It really ought to comfort you to know that there is a God of wisdom who sustains it, and has created it all. I'm thankful somebody holds it together instead of it just by random chance being held together. You know, I used to remember even as a child hearing science teachers uh, say, you know, they believe someday that the earth was going to spin off its axis. They said it, it, could, not, it could not continue to spin at the rate it was spinning and all the forces pushing on it. And I'm sitting there thinking now today, I'm thinking, wow, uh, what a way to live thinking the earth might spin off of its axis, but yet God's holding it all. He created it. Now this is all leading to something. And what's interesting in our confession of faith, and I have to tell you, we, we take this Baptist confession of faith very seriously. This is the very foundation of what we believe. And in the fourth chapter of the confession of faith, the chapter on creation in paragraph one. I didn't even see this until I was studying this week. Here's what it says. In the beginning, it pleased God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
for the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness to create or make the world and all things therein, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. Part of the manifestation of the glory of God is the wisdom of God being witnessed in his creation. Right there in our confession of faith, I never even saw it. But what a powerful truth this is. Number three, under that same heading, wisdom is life unto the soul because the same wisdom is being offered to us. To do what? To provide us and our lives with harmony and peace. Do you know if I believe in a God that is holding all things together and I believe that a God has created it all and that nothing happens outside of his sovereign providential hand, I can give you no greater comfort than that. That is the source of my comfort. That's why we sang, O Father, Thou Art Sovereign, as our opening song tonight. Because if you were listening to those words as you were singing those, they were backing up exactly what this verse is about. Lord, you've placed the stars in their very place. You are the one that is the, the creator of all these things. Yet I don't think we as believers stop long enough to consider that the wisdom that created the earth is the same wisdom that we're being given to in the word of God. Verse 19 again says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth by understanding, hath he established the heavens. What an amazing truth. Let me show you a couple of verses that kind of uh, will support this idea of this wisdom being offered to us. Look at James chapter number 1. Go to the New Testament book of James chapter number 1 and look at verses 5 through 8. And again, when you start seeing the connections between the Scriptures and you see phrases like we see in verse 19, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, and then you see James make this statement. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lack, what's the verse say? Wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And what does God do with that asking? That giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Wisdom. If any man lack it, who does he ask for it? God. And what does God do with the man who asks in faith? He gives him wisdom liberally, which means he gives it to him abundantly. If you drop down in chapter number one of James, down to verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we, watch this, we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Not only did he create the earth by his wisdom, he created you and I in his wisdom. Now, again, we could struggle all night tonight about the reality of being created by the wisdom of God, and yet we're found in our depravity. 
But yet we see the scriptures teach us very clearly here that every good thing, every gift has come down from God, who is the father of light or the father of creation. There is no changing in him. There is no shadow of turning. He begat us with the word of truth. There are comfort in those words. Now, back in our text in Proverbs 3, he goes on about creation. He makes reference to his knowledge. So we see the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, understand hath established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. This is a reference literally to uh, the the water. The dew refers to the rain. It, It refers to that all of these things that have been given. When we think about how the Lord divided the day and the night and he, 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 he made uh, the, the rain, he made the, the water come down, those rivers, those streams, the, the rain, uh, <coughs> throughout Scripture we see God gives those to man for our refreshment and for our sustainment. Over in Proverbs chapter number 8, verses 22 through 29, the Bible tells us, about this, Proverbs chapter number 8, verses 22 through 29. And I love uh, what Solomon writes here. He says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. Watch this. Before his works of old. <laughs> you, you, could, you could park right there. What he's, what he's saying, that the Lord possessed me In the beginning of his way, before his works of old, I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. Where there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men." You see, there is a comfort in knowing that God has created these things not only to declare and manifest His glory, but for the refreshment of man. Wisdom is the divine power of God. We can sum it this way. By which He, that's God, created the world and the same wisdom by which He sustains the work of His hands. In other words, he created it by his wisdom, but it's the same wisdom that sustains it. Sustains his own work. Sustains us. He regulates every operation of nature. You know, every time I try to to paint this picture of of, of the the powerful God, I, I, I feel as if I fall very far short. You just can't put enough words to describe the greatness of God. And because we cannot describe it, sometimes we forget this, folks. We forget that we are the result of God's wisdom, His creation. 
So knowing what we know about this creative, powerful, omnipotent, omniscient, immutable God, let's go to number two. The instructions of wisdom are protecting. Why does he give us the commandments and the instructions that he gives us? Go back to our text in Proverbs 3 and look at verse 21. My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. You notice the the little expression, my son. This is a tender expression. It's an expression that illustrates a tenderness towards what he wants for his son. He says, my son, do not let these truths depart from your eyes. Folks, there's something about all of us tonight I want us to remember. We are prone to forget. I've heard many a person say, why do we hear the same things when we hear the word of God preach? Why, do we, why does God repeat himself? You know why? Because we're prone to forget. Why did Paul have to tell Timothy, put them in remembrance? Because we are forgetful. And folks, when the times of forgetfulness come are the times when you need the comfort of God. I can't tell you how many times when someone's going through a trial or a struggle and they don't know where to turn and they're believers, you have to remind them your comfort is in God. Your comfort is in the Lord. Instructions are good for us. Instructions of the word of God, they are there to protect us. Wisdom is life unto the soul that gives our lives and makes our lives a thing of beauty and of joy. It is to be something that is a picture of the joy that God gives us. Why are we joyful? We're joyful because we have wisdom and discretion. We've seen that phrase, wisdom and discretion, repeated numerous times up to this point as we've studied in the book of Proverbs. So Solomon repeats himself often. It's much like a parent who seems to say the same thing over and over and over again. Every parent knows what I'm talking about. I've already told you that. I've already said this. I've already reminded you of that. But he repeats himself over and over again. And as a matter of fact, this expression that we're seeing here, if you turn back just a page or so, back to Proverbs 2, 7, we see this expression He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Now, what's interesting about the word buckler is a buckler literally is a shield. It was a shield of protection. It was not an offensive shield. It's a defensive shield. It's given for our protection. Solomon's doing something here, folks, that you and I need to remember Solomon repeats himself frequently to awaken us from our tendency to spiritual apathy. You do not have to talk yourself into being an apathetic believer. As a matter of fact, you don't get up in the the morning and say, listen, I think I'm just going to fall into the pattern of spiritual apathy. Apathy literally means is a, 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 a state of indifference. In other words, it doesn't really matter what I do 
It doesn't matter what I believe, what I say. I'm just, it doesn't matter. I have seen many a professing, professing believer fall into spiritual apathy. I've been there myself, personally. I've, I know what it is to, draw, to get to a place where you're just like, you know what, I just really, it doesn't really matter right now. What he's trying to do is trying to awaken us to the reality that we are indeed prone to wander, and we are prone to fall asleep, and we're prone to forget. We're prone to forget that we have a God of all comfort. Who, when we're going through our trials, and by the way, those trials have been and will be, and they're coming, and we need the God of comfort. I'd much rather be comforted by a God who created the universe and created and spoke by his words, but he created it by wisdom to find my comfort than in the words of any other person. God's not prone to be spiritually apathetic, God never gets to a point where he says, I don't care anymore. Or you've, you've done so, you have forgotten me one too many times. God doesn't do that. So Solomon repeats himself, really I think for two reasons, to remind himself, but also to, be remind, to remind others. The intention here really is to deepen the importance and the, the value of these truths. It's interesting I have, I have, anytime I start a series on a, on a book, I like to go out and just see how many, how many preachers have preached through the whole book of Proverbs, like find an entire series. And I have a hard time finding the whole series. I'll find like highlights from, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 of the Proverbs. But do you realize how much treasure is in this book? And, and it's not things that are not practical. I hear people say all the time, uh, preaching should be practical. You tell them to read the book of Proverbs. It's full of practical. There is not an issue of life that's not found in the book of Proverbs. It, you, could, you could tell me, preacher, I'm facing this in my life right now, and I'm telling you it's in the book of Proverbs, either in direct written form or the principle. You say, I'm having trouble with my kids. It's in there. I'm having trouble with my marriage. It's in there. I'm having trouble with my view of God. It's in there. It is the most practical book. But when we read it, sometimes we forget what we've read. He reminds us, he says, not only should you keep sound wisdom and discretion, so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. We've heard that expression before, that grace to thy neck. The word grace here is a reference to an adornment or to, to, uh, to beauty. We saw it back in Proverbs chapter number one, verse nine, when he said this, for they, that's the wisdom and instruction of God, the instruction of, my fa of the father and the mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. You know, in its own way, you know, God gives us parents to remind us, to instruct us, to protect us. I'm telling you, it is an old cliche, but I cannot tell you how many times the older I get, the more I remember things my own parents told me that were for my protection. And they were biblical principles. They were not things to make my life difficult. They were not things to just 
be mean to me. They were things that were meant to protect me. Just like a father that says, my son, do not let these truths get away from you. Listen, reading it one time, reading a verse one time is not hiding God's word in your heart. I will also tell you this, hiding God's word in your heart is not just memorizing verses. Okay? It's more than that. Hiding God's word in your heart is so that when you're really dealing with something in your life, you're not trying to find a memory verse, you're living by that principle. See, we've, we've tried to teach people for so long, hide God's word in your heart, so memorize. And again, you should do this. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But if the only reason you hide God's word in your heart for memory verses is so that you can rattle them off, Folks, that's not going to sustain you. What's going to sustain you is when you're going through trouble, you're going through trial, and the word of God that you've hidden in your heart, you believe it and you live by it. That's where real change starts to happen. Folks, this is not just a, let's just mark it off my list for today. Solomon wanted his son, and I think every father, Every pastor wants the people that are under them in whatever form it is, whether it's a parent or it's a pastor or whatever, I want you to never, ever forget these things. There's a lot of things in life you can forget and it won't matter. But don't forget the wisdom and don't forget God. Don't forget his words. Don't forget that the very foundation of your wisdom is, is his creation. And don't forget the instructions of God are meant to protect you. Wisdom gives life to the soul. Why? Because it reveals the righteousness of God. Do you realize without the righteousness of God, I cannot live before God? Without Christ, I cannot stand before God. Without God's wisdom giving life to my soul, I am dead in my trespasses and my sins, even at this very moment. I love what John Gill said about this, and he, it's a little wordy, but I, I like what he said. He says, Christ is both the spiritual and eternal life of the souls of those that look unto him by faith, and his gospel and the doctrines of it are the means of reviving saints and of quickening them to the discharge of their duty. Wherefore, both he and they should be kept in continual view and held fast and grace to thy neck and ornament to that and to the whole man. How ornamental, I like how he puts this, how ornamental is Christ and his righteousness to a believer. The ornament there is a thing of beauty. Christ is a thing of beauty to the believer. He goes on to say, how lovely is the person that is steady in his principles and regular in his practices, one who stands fast in the truths of the gospel and whose conversation is as becomes it. He's not just talking about, Solomon's not just talking about principles that are just uh, kind of uh, in, for show only. They are the very guiding principles of his life. Wisdom is life unto the soul to make our lives safe and secure. We're still under the heading of instructions of wisdom or protecting. Look, he even gives specific about our life now. Verse 23, then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. The instructions of wisdom 
help us walk the right way. They help us to walk in the safe paths. Our steps are directed by the wisdom of God. There is many a believer, hopefully none of us here today, who walks their own way every day of their life. They're church members. They claim to be saved, but they walk in their own way. Solomon says that the way of wisdom is to walk in God's way, and that's the only way you walk safely. It's the only way, he says, is that your foot won't stumble. He uses two very easy expressions. They're word pictures for us to see. To walk safely and to not stumble. We understand what it is to walk on a safe path. We know what it is to walk without stumbling. You know what wisdom does? Wisdom helps us avoid the stumbles that many other experienced. How many of you don't raise your hand, but how many of you know a Christian or a believer will use that expression who walked their own way and stumbled and now they're a living example to you? Every one of us knows someone who walked their own way, went on the unsafe path and stumbled and fell. Now they're an example to you and I. Why did it happen to them? Because they veered off of the safe path. They veered off of the way of wisdom and they walked their own way. Many a heartbroken parent has watched their child do that. They've watched them walk, grow up in the church, walk away from it the minute they could get free. And the parents say, what happened to my child? Sometimes it was because mom and dad never walked in the way of wisdom. They walked in their own way. And when the kids got the opportunity, they walked like soldiers when they were little. But then when they got older, they walked in their own way and they walked in the same path that you were walking. There's really a tenderness about what he's saying. This is not just, hey, take this or leave it. Over in Proverbs 4, we'll get to this in a number of weeks, but Proverbs 4, verse 7, he says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. The key to not stumbling is wisdom. The instructions of the wisdom, of wisdom rather, are protecting. And then finally, let's look at the promises of wisdom are everlasting. Verse 24, he says, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. You say, where does it talk about everlasting? This verse is not just about getting a good night's sleep tonight. The word sleep here is not just a reference to physical sleep. It's also a reference to eternity. It's a reference that when we put our head down at night and when we're to step out into eternity, when we are to, so to speak, sleep, will be secure. Listen, there are 
there, there is wisdom that the world says, and then there's wisdom that is life unto the soul. And here we see that wisdom is life unto the soul to help us sleep securely, not only in this life, but in the life to come. We're not going to be anxious about tomorrow. Listen, there's many a believer, many a believer, and I'm not saying this as a person who's gained victory over this fully. There are many a believer who puts their head down or attempts to put their head down on their pillow tonight who will not find sleep because they are anxious about tomorrow. What are we anxious about? We're anxious about things that are not going to work out because we're afraid something's just not going to be right. But ultimately, when we lose sleep physically, we're losing sleep because we don't fully trust in the God who has us. Now, this is easier said than done. You folks know me well enough. When I say these things, I'm not saying them because, look, I'm just like, if you just follow my example, I got this perfect. This is a struggle for all of us. And we, 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 if, you're like, if you're like a lot of people, you put your head down at night and that's when you start worrying about everything. People, people say, I cannot sleep at night. There's a lack of security there. And again, it's not that they're not real issues. But you know what? When we have the promises of wisdom being everlasting promises, we don't have to fear what is going to come. Over in Psalm 3, verse 5, here's what David said. This is an entire psalm that's entitled, The Lord Protects His People. I laid, I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. Now that's good in and of itself, but David takes one step further. Here's what David was dealing with. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. Now I can tell you this. As far as I know, I don't have 10,000 people that want me dead. Much as I can figure. David says because I know the Lord's protection, I put my head down at night and I slept. Why? Because the Lord sustained me. Even though 10,000 people wanted me dead. And I love the last verse of Psalm 3. He says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Back in verse 3 of Psalm 3, he says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. So there is a physical security that we find in God. But then we also step over just one psalm, Psalm 4, 8. David says this, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Lord, it's only you. The only reason I can sleep at night is because I know the comfort of your security. I know the comfort of you sustaining me. Free from the cares and the terrors, which oftentimes when the sinner puts their head down at night, they have much to be afraid of. But the believer who's in Christ, who has received the sense of God's favor and his providence and the sovereignty of God in his life, 
Listen, we can lay down in complete security. Why? Because the Lord has promised to sustain his people. Folks, we either believe this or we don't. Do you believe the Lord will sustain you now and for all of eternity? David wrote in Psalm 55, 22 about this very thing. Psalm 55, 22. This, is, this has been one of those verses that I have often referred to as well. Times when you, know, you, you, you find a verse and it brings you comfort. Psalm 55, 22 under the heading of trust in the Lord. He says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall, what? Sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Now, look, here's where we are in our life. You either believe that or you don't. You either believe that God is saying, listen, there are the burden you have, bring it to me. When you're being tried, bring it to me. When you're being tempted, bring it to me. Cast your burden. This is an injunction to do something. What it means is it's an injunction to do something rather than something else. Here's what we do as humans. We cast the burden on ourselves, and then we try to put it on another person. You'll destroy yourself and you'll destroy the other person because they can't hold it. God says, instead of that, cast your burden upon the Lord because he'll sustain you and he shall never, N-E-V-E-R, suffer or allow the righteous to be moved. When you find yourself in severe trouble, the first thing we want to do is we complain. We murmur about it. But David says, listen, cast your burden upon the Lord. Verse 16 of that same psalm, Psalm 55. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. See, these are not words that are just meant to protect us for now. Literally, Psalm 56 there's an entire section in verses 9 through 15 about David crying about the assurance of God's protection. Not just for now, but for eternity. Look, if we want to live a life that's marked by the grace of God, that's marked by the security of God and the comfort of God, folks, the reality is it is only found when we give ourselves over to the wisdom that God has shown us. The wisdom of God gives life unto the soul, not just life now, but life even into eternity. The promises of wisdom, they are everlasting promises. Let's go back and finish with this in, verse, in chapter 3, in verse number 25 and 26, and we'll get into these verses next week, but I want to read them tonight. Be not afraid of sudden fear neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Notice, the Lord shall be thy confidence, singular. Not one of your confidences, 
Not the confidence you go to when it gets really bad, your only confidence. You see, wisdom is life unto the soul for these very simple but direct reasons. The next week, Solomon takes a little bit of another turn. And he takes a turn towards a series, verses 25 through 35, of how wisdom being applied does come in the form or can come in the form of various thou shalt not directives. In other words, this isn't just going to happen just because you think it. There are intentional steps that you're going to have to take and we'll deal with the subject next week of the wise life, taking those intentional steps. Let's stand together if you would. We'll be dismissed in prayer.